Our first scripture reading today comes from Genesis 1, 1 to 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And now we're going to skip to Genesis 2, 4 to 7. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. Then the Lord God formed the man from dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. It is very good to be with you this morning. Um, I'm particularly excited uh, today because we are starting a new series uh, that I'm fired up about um, that we'll be doing for the next few weeks. We're calling it The Spirit-Filled Life. And essentially, uh, we are just going to take some time to intentionally look at the work and person of the Holy Spirit. So some of you are so excited, you're like, finally, I've been waiting for these weeks. Can I bring my flags and my shofar or or whatever? And then others of you are like, oh man, I really liked this church and now they're going to get weird. And then plenty of you are somewhere in between, uh, right down the middle. You are maybe curious about the Holy Spirit or confused or excited or don't know much or haven't seen much or maybe you've seen stuff but you don't have words for it or we're all across the board on this. So it's our hope just to uh, spend a few weeks trying to get on a similar page and get on um, kind of a same page. So today is going uh, to look a little bit like a class, a little bit like a sermon, a little bit like a practice. We're going to talk about church theory for a minute. We'll uh, go to the scriptures and talk about the first time we see the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to do a practice together at the end. So uh, getting started. Uh, Church scholars, uh, when talking about the church in like big meta uh, terms, they divide the church into uh, four super broad types. And I think we have a slide for this. Four super broad types, um, four quadrants. And they say that most churches fall into one or maybe two or three or four, but but at least one of these categories. So here's what they are. Uh, Bible, that, mo- that, that there are churches all across the world that um, would consider themselves Bible churches. Some churches even put it in their name. These are um, churches that have an incredibly high view of Scripture. Uh, they teach the Bible. They learn the Bible. This is, this is um, the value of uh, this type of church um, in a big, broad sense. Uh, the next one we'll talk about is liturgical. Um, these are often called high churches, and these churches, there's an emphasis on um, rhythms, traditions, uh, a, a high practice and view of prayer, especially corporate prayer, confessional prayer, uh, things like that. Um, there are churches for which uh, social justice is the thing, the, the, the driving force. Um, social justice has gotten a bad name in the past decade or so, oftentimes now you hear it called missional. These are churches that um, are, maybe they have an incredibly evangelistic uh, mindset or um, in, and or uh, they are into actual acts of service and justice uh, in society. They have a high view and a high practice of involvement. Uh, 
And then um, there are Holy Spirit churches. Uh, Chad pointed out that I, um, when writing these four categories, included one part of the Trinity in one of them. That was sort of accidental. A lot of times this category can also be called Pentecostal or Charismatic. Um, I use the word Holy Spirit because that's what we're talking about today. So uh, Pentecostal Charismatic churches, that they would have a high view and a high practice of experience, of signs and wonders and things like that. So these are the four super broad categories that would describe most churches churches um, in the world existing today. And, um, and so when we talk about our church and this theory applied to our church, I'm not arrogant enough to think that, that we're the only church that hopes for this and has vision for this, but uh, the Vineyard Church's great hope is to exist right here right in the middle, to have equal parts of all four of these things. We think that all four of these things are incredibly important to the church. And so we want to be part of all four of them. We uh, value the scriptures. We value teaching the scriptures and we value learning the scriptures. And we also deeply value the rhythms and the traditions of the church, the calendar. The um, We want to be a church that has the humility to, to follow the roads paved uh, before us when that's the right thing to do. And um, and then uh, we believe that the church is the hands and feet of Jesus. We mean that figuratively, but we also truly mean that literally, that we think the church exists in the world to do the stuff, to be, do the things that Jesus did. Um, and then we are really charismatic. We, we just are. We believe in the active presence and experience of the Holy Spirit, of the Spirit of God. Uh, this is who we are, and it's also who we're becoming and who we hope to be. Uh, keeping these four things in mind, uh, giving um, value and face to all four of them. Uh, when it comes to this diagram, um, for most folks, folks at Springbrook, I think um, three of the four feel a little bit more comfortable uh, than the fourth. Um, uh, three of the four quadrants kind of maybe make a little more sense or, or, or we maybe have more experience or, or thoughts of them. Uh, even if you didn't grow up in the church, um, uh, if you sort of, there are plenty of you who have that story, by the way, that you didn't grow up in the church. Um, uh, but often if you grew up in a Christian culture, which is a big part of America, um, then, then you have some experience around ideas like Bible and around ideas like social justice. Uh, if you did grow up in the church, um, and same, maybe you have experienced um, some of these at a greater level than other. For example, Baptists, um, the Bible makes a whole lot of sense, but maybe there's less experience with liturgy in the church calendar. Or um, for a, a, someone who grew up Catholic, uh, social justice and literally or liturgy make a lot of sense, but you didn't have something called Awanas or Bible drill or, or things like that. Um, we have different experiences with the different four quadrants. And I, I, I'm not saying um, that I don't get questions about these three quadrants, but, um, and I do, I get questions like, is the Bible really true? Um, didn't people write it? Did God really write it? I get questions in the liturgical. What's the point of following tradition? Shouldn't we be paving a new path? Um, Social justice, questions like, uh, why would you take people water or food but not tell them about Jesus? Doesn't mean that they're going to hell. There, there are loads of questions for the four quadrants, but um, as the pastor at Springbrook Vineyard, um, more than any of the four quadrants, the questions that I get asked more than any of the other four are questions around the Holy Spirit uh, and the church. 
uh, in my experience, there's less uh, experience. There's a little more confusion and curiosity and wonder um, and fear around this quadrant than tends to happen around the other three. Um, Even for those of you who grew up in charismatic churches, maybe you've seen some things, but you still don't quite have words to experience or there was hurt or things like that. So, um, and so us spending the next four weeks talking about the Holy Spirit is not us saying that we don't value the other three quadrants or that there's been a vision shift and we're only going to be a one quadrant church uh, moving forward. That isn't what happened. Um, It's that we want to offer some teaching and some language and some story and some practice around something that seems like uh, as a congregation, we just seem to know a little bit less about. Um, Because in my experience, uh, like I said, even those of you who grew up charismatic or Pentecostal, you have just as many questions as those of us who didn't. Uh, And so I'm really, really, really excited at what we have coming uh, in the coming weeks and and as we talk about uh, the Holy Spirit. Um, Here's something. In my experience, uh, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, things start to stir. Uh, they start to stir up in us. They start to stir up around us. They stir up in our services. They stir up in the grocery store. Uh, The Holy Spirit starts to mess uh, with your thoughts and mess with your world. And I I just think it's going to be really fun to see what happens. So, um, and know this, uh, we want to teach this stuff the way that we hope that we teach everything. We want to teach and talk about the Holy Spirit the way we go about teaching and talking about everything with humor and humility and hope. Uh, There will be times uh, over the next few weeks that there's potential for things uh, to feel weird and uncomfortable because um, there there are things that don't get talked about all the time or things maybe you didn't know. Um, And here's the thing. It's supposed to. It's supposed to, you can ask every teacher that you know, and they would tell you that learning always comes with some weird and some uncomfortable and some stretching moments. That's how you get where you're supposed to go. So uh, this uh, this talking about the Holy Spirit, it might sometimes bring up more questions than it does uh, answers. And so I have two thoughts on that before we jump in. Um, the first is um, maybe this is a good one, like a good series to commit to where you say, I'm going to listen to all the sermons in this series. Um, Because though they'll stand alone, um, they'll flow together and some questions will answer, some sermons will answer other questions and things like that. This might be a good one to commit to um, in a whole chunk. And then the second thing is ask us. Please, please uh, ask us. The highlight of Chad's life would be you calling him and asking him questions about the Holy Spirit. Um, but we all feel this way. We, we want to answer your question. We are a church and a family and a community. And so if something rubs you weird or, or, or um, and that's not a bad thing. That, that's, a, that's a good thing. I would call that a spirit thing. Um, just please, please ask us. If we can't clarify it, our hope is that we'll find someone uh, who can. So. Let's jump in on our scriptures uh, today that were just read for us. Uh, Today, I want to look at the first time we see the Spirit in the scriptures. The first mention of the Holy Spirit is in the scriptures that uh, come from Genesis 1. It's a place that we've spent a lot of time talking about during this Easter season. Um, and the writers of the Genesis poem, they're, they're, they're talking about the world. In Genesis 1-1, the world is uh, formless and empty and dark and deep waters. Uh, the Hebrew word for what's happening in Genesis 1 uh, that we read is tobu wabohu, which is the most fun word to say. Tobu wabohu, it's confusion and emptiness. 
It's chaos and disorder. Tobu wabohu um, is an image word. It's an image for chaos uh, via word. In Jewish culture and language and imagery, uh, water was synonymous with chaos. Uh, We don't have uh, a super equivalent in our culture, uh, but it's close to how we use words like tornado or hurricane, that um, both of these things are like actual actions of chaos. They both have literal chaotic energy to them. But also when I walk into my kids' rooms um, and they're a total mess, I say what you've probably heard or said before, uh, it looks like a tornado blew through here. Or maybe if I have one of those crazy experiences that are super emotional and I'm trying to describe it later, um, and I say it felt like a hurricane of emotion, like lots of different feelings swirling around chaotically. Uh, a hurricane and tornado, they are both literal and figurative words in our language. Um, and the same is true here in Genesis 1 for Hebrew culture. Uh, water is both literal and physical. Was it literally water before the earth was created? Maybe, probably. But also I think what the writers are trying to do is they're trying to use imagery uh, to convey a figurative concept. In the beginning was chaos. In the beginning was disorder. And it's super interesting to me that the first place that we find the Holy Spirit in all of time is here. Verse 2 comes quickly after verse 1. In Genesis 1-2, it tells us that the Spirit is first before anywhere else the Spirit is found hovering over the chaos, hovering over the tobu wabohu. The word uh, for spirit here in Genesis 1-2 is ruach, or uh, often translated ruach Elohim. And and it gets translated most often spirit, uh, but it also means breath, breath of God, spirit of God. Uh, Let's not miss this, that the very first place that we find the very breath of God The Spirit of God is hovering near to the disorder and the chaos of a world not yet created. Because from the first mention of the Spirit, uh, we find the power of the Spirit to bring order uh, from chaos. This is exactly what happens. If you uh, go on to verse 3, this is what happens, that the Spirit at work with the Father, and Colossians 1 tells us also at work with Jesus, uh, brings order. First, what happens is light comes into darkness and then land and sea and trees and plants and night and day and animals and men. And then we have the second mention of the Spirit in Genesis 2 that we read today. God has given humans uh, a cultural mandate. We've been talking about it for weeks. Fill the earth, work the ground, and bring order and flourishing to it. And then the writers tell us what we know in our guts might just be true. God breathes the breath of life into man so that he can fulfill his purpose. Don't miss this. God has spoken purpose over humanity. Work the ground and bring order and flourishing to it. And then he blows his ruach, his own breath, his own spirit into humanity. And from this point forward, purpose and identity and spirit are bound together from the very beginning. John tells his disciples in John 16 uh, almost the same thing. 
He invites them to receive the person and work and the indwelling of the Spirit, to receive God's Spirit, God's breath, the Ruach, empowering them in purpose to hear from the Father and to do the flourishing work of the kingdom, to be the kind of people who, like the first move of the Spirit of God, bring order into chaos, bring order into disorder. It's one of the things that the Spirit is up to in the world. It's the most simple way to talk about the work in the person of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings order into chaos. And that's not to say it isn't messy. Uh, in my experience, the person and work of the Spirit is so mysterious and so wild and sometimes so very weird. Uh, my, my mentor is a lady named Di, and she very regularly looks at me and says, uh, when the Spirit's involved, things just get messy. Uh, the Celtic Christians called the Holy Spirit the wild goose. I think that's on purpose. Order comes uh, not from necessarily cleaning up all messes. Order comes um, from alignment with the Father. That is what order means. So into the chaos, into the entropy, into the disorder all over the world, the Holy Spirit brings alignment with the Father, alignment with the kingdom. Uh, some of my favorite verses in the Bible come from Isaiah 61, where it talks about uh, receiving the Spirit, uh, leading to good news for the poor, uh, comfort to the brokenhearted, freedom to the captives, beauty for ashes, gladness instead of mourning. It's a story of the Spirit being received and a story of order happening, of alignment with the Father uh, happening. And if you think about it, those things are wild. They're wild. Good news and freedom and beauty and gladness. These are, these are, are wild things, but they are things of flourishing. And that's what the Holy Spirit is up to, bringing order into the chaos, bringing alignment into disorder. So here's what we're going to do today. Uh, we are going to, for our Selah, do a practice. Um, I stole this practice from a church I love in London called Christ Church London and a pastor there named Liam Thatcher. And um, it's sort of a way to look at um, if we understand the Spirit to bring, be bringing order to disorder. Uh, and we, as we've been talking about, have been invited by God to join into that work. Um, it's just sort of we're going to look at a really practical way of looking at our lives to see how we can uh, do that. So here's what I want you to do. And you can do this now. Um, you can wait till the end of the service and, and do this. Um, but I'm just going to open up this practice. And, and my hope is at some point you'll take the time to do it. Um, so here's what you do. Find a piece of paper. It can be any piece of paper. And um, draw a line a lot like the one that we had on the slide. Just divide your paper into four quadrants, four corners. And um, at each quarter, I want you to write the following headings. One, you're going to write home. Uh, the next one, you're going to write um, wherever you work or study or the place that you uh, spend time um, working the ground and bringing order to it, uh, your work, place of work or study. Uh, number three, uh, write neighborhood. And number four, write relationships. So home, place of work or study, neighborhood, relationships. Um, and so you got those on the paper. And then start by taking a minute or two of quiet, uh, maybe with your eyes closed, and take a deep breath. And as you do, picture yourself in what we read from Genesis 2, uh, receiving the Ruach of God, the holy breath of God. And sit in that breath 
for just a minute. Become aware of God's presence with you. Aware of the energizing and empowering of the Spirit in you. And then I want you to do this. For each of the areas that you wrote down, uh, go one by one and take a few minutes and ask God the following two questions and write down anything that comes to your mind from these. The first question is, Holy Spirit, would you help me identify the chaos in this area of my life? I'll say it again. Holy Spirit, will you help me identify the chaos in this area of my life? And number two, Holy Spirit, How would you like to use me to bring order and life into this area this week? Uh, Holy Spirit, how would you like me to use me to bring order and life, order and flourishing into this area this week? I just want to pray a prayer blessing over this practice for us. So, Father, we, um, we ask you for the courage to engage your spirit. And Holy Spirit, we ask you for eyes to see what you're up to. And so I pray that you would give us honesty of heart as we look at the areas of our life where we spend our time and our money and our emotions and our resources of all kinds. I pray that you would give us honesty of heart to see them for how they are. Where is their disorder in the places and spaces of our lives? And will you fill us with uh, your creative energy that brings order, that brings alignment, that brings the kingdom? Will you give us uh, the creativity to know how we can join you in the renewal of these four areas of our lives? Um, Will you give us the confidence that you made us, you have called us, that our identity is that we are yours and therefore we get to participate in what you do because you have put your breath and spirit into us. In your name we pray.